Here's what I want to do today. I'd like to read you guys an article today that's been circulating around our staff and some of our leaders. And every time one of our leaders here at Fellowship of Faith reads it, they, they kind of have one of these, oh yeah, moments. Like this is, this is so kind of hitting the spot and putting its finger on something that, that we sense. I want to share this article with you today because I think it's really going to resonate and, and, and kind of fit with a lot of you as well. It is a bit longer. I'm going to ask for your patience as I go on through it. Do your best to stay with me. It is called The Lonely Crowd, Churches Dying Due to, French, due to Friendlessness. Here's what Mike Frost says. I've lost count of the number of Christians who've told me they either stopped attending church or left their church to join another church because they couldn't make any friends there. They report that the church people were friendly enough. They were hospitable and welcoming. One person told me, they're nice to you, but no one becomes your friend. And it hurts when all that friendliness leads only to friendlessness. In the 1950s, sociologist David Reisman coined the term the lonely crowd, in part to describe collectives of people who live according to common traditions and conforming values, but who barely know or like each other. I fear the church is in danger of becoming just such a lonely crowd. I know pastors think long and hard about how to be better preachers and leaders, how to calibrate the church's ministries to meet needs and serve others, how to be more missional, more adaptive, more innovative, and these are all good things. But is it possible that all that leadership development, all that visioning and ministry planning might be wasted if people can't find friends and just drift away? Before hosting any more conferences or seminars or vision-casting summits, living your best life or finding your spiritual gift, how about we start equipping people in friend-making? Becoming and being a friend isn't easy. It takes intentionality and training. And he says it might just be your church's next major challenge. He goes on. He says, it's not just the church. Before we started beating ourselves up about how friendless churches can be, we should note that this is a society-wide problem. In his book, Social, Matthew Lieberman reports on a survey of people's social connections that was done in 1985 and again in 2004. People were asked to list their friends in response to the question, over the last six months, who are the people with whom you discussed matters important to you? In 1985, the most common number of friends listed were three. 59% of respondents listed three or more friends fitting this description. But by 2004, the most common number of friends with whom you would discuss important matters was zero. And only 37% of respondents listed three or more friends. Back in 85, only 10% indicated they had zero confidants. In 2004, the number skyrocketed to 25%. As Lieberman says, 
One out of every four of us is walking around with no one to share our lives with. Church people aren't good listeners. Like my first point, he writes, it might be fairer to say most people aren't good listeners. The inability or disinterest in asking meaningful questions that indicate an interest in another person is a huge impediment to making friends. Listening is key. When someone is a good listener, they are able to seek similarity with someone else. It's impossible to show empathy or celebrate the positive in a person without first hearing from them. And without an awareness or simil of similarity, empathy, and celebration, friendships just don't get started. Listening is not the same thing as hearing or waiting. Therapists refer to active listening to distinguish between giving someone your full concentration and just passively hearing them. Frankly, I think church people can be so bad at it that they need training. Churches should run regular workshops on active listening. Good listeners know how to harness all the nonverbal cues that show they are listening, such as making non-threatening eye contact, smiling, maintaining an open posture, mirroring, reflecting facial expressions, and eliminating distractions. They also need to know how to utilize verbal skills like remembering things that were said, gently questioning someone for greater clarification, and using reflection techniques to help. These things don't come naturally for most people. Church people also struggle to be vulnerable. Friendship is more than just listening, although that's an essential part. Getting close to people, becoming their friends, involving something more, it involves vulnerability. Face it, people don't become besties by only discussing the weather. Allowing yourself to be vulnerable helps the other person to trust you. Precisely because you are putting yourself at emotional, psychological, or physical risk, other people tend to react by being more open and vulnerable themselves. The fact that both of you are letting down your guard helps to lay the groundwork for a faster, closer, personal relationship. The great enemy here is shame. Nothing silences us more effectively than shame. Sadly, church people are often the most shamed people that it could have come from an old church pattern about needing to appear clean and tidy and always winning. Our church might have taught us to never show the parts of our lives that are messy, dirty, or embarrassing. I think that might be because a lot of church people unwittingly promote perfectionism, which a condition in which people constantly ask, what will they think? But as Brene Brown says, the irony is that we attempt to disown our difficult stories to appear more whole or more acceptable, but our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, actually depends on the integration of all our experiences, including the falls. Brown also writes, if we can share our story with someone 
who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. It's the courage of vulnerability we find connection with another and then, potentially, friendship with them. Church people need to be less busy. Friendship takes time. It's the thing spouses and friends fight about the most. Unavailability. In his book on friendship, helpfully titled Friendship, David Harushka reviewed studies on the cause of conflict in friendship and found that the most common arguments boil down to time commitments. Spending time with someone is a sure indicator that you value them. And feeling undervalued is a surefire friendship killer. A New York Times report concluded, the leading cause of persistent relationships is reciprocity. Returning a friend's call. The report cited research that said enduring friendships require friends to touch base at least once every 15 days. If we want our churches to be more friendly places, we need to encourage people to create time for friends. Churches are good at running programs and promoting faith. As a result, a lot of church conversations are either about serious matters of faith, Bible studies, workshops, and the like, or focused on the practicalities of volunteering for a ministry or a committee. But many of us know that our really good friendships emerged not by being on a committee with someone, or even attending a Bible study group with them. Friendships are often forged in the conversations that occur when we're playing together, hanging out, attending parties, camping, hiking, picnicking, goofing off. These are the occasions where people let their guards down and share more deeply. If a person's church schedule is crammed with attending stuff, no matter how good that stuff might be, there might be a problem. Validating the importance of play and encouraging people to share in good, fun, non-religious experiences is really important. And finally, he writes, the onus shouldn't be on the newcomer. A lot of people have shared with me how tough it is to break in to a new church. It's the newcomer who has to break into conversations. The newcomer has to find common interests and angle for invitation. It's often the newcomer who does all the hosting of people for a meal. I can relate to this, he writes. Since leaving the church we planted, my wife and I have attended two great churches, but in both cases, we had to work so hard to make relational connections. It really shouldn't be the newcomer's responsibility. Churches should be learning to embody the grace and hospitality of the gospel and striving to be more like Christ, the friend of sinners. Teresa of Avila wrote, if Christ, Jesus just, if Christ Jesus dwells in a person as his friend, that person can endure all things. For Christ helps and strengthens us and never abandons us. He is a true friend. We can't sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, 
without his friendship affecting how we befriend others. Does the shoe fit? You know, my experience here at Fellowship of Faith is that Fellowship of Faith is a very friendly church. People are quick to say hi. Not just at the door, but I find even in here, as our little sharing of the peace kind of exercise proved, we don't shut up, <laughs> right? We can't get people out of the doors when a service is done. And we seem to have very little of what I would call church toxicity. You know that kind of vibe you get when you walk into a place where there are clear and unwritten lines between us and them. I don't see much of that vibe here, where, where the people who have been here for a long time look at the people who are new here going, what are they doing here? Why are they sitting in my row, in my seat? How come they don't know what's going on? We, we, we don't suffer from a lot of that us and them mentality. I believe that we have a very warm environment. People often comment on it. They come and comment just on the vibe of the space. Fellowship of faith strikes me as a very friendly church. But I will tell you this. Over the years, I have heard this from so many people. I remember talking to this one guy. Coming here to Fellowship of Faith for years, who, in talking about just life, just kind of blurted out, Pastor, I don't have any friends. And he wasn't just talking about church. He was talking about life. Period. People are friendly, but often friendless. And I've seen the pattern happen, where people will come and they'll have a warm reception. They'll like the vibe. It will strike them as friendly. They'll resonate with the music. They'll resonate with me. They'll resonate with some ministry here, whatever it happens to be. But then it kind of stops. It plateaus. And six months goes by. And they don't feel like they really know anybody any better than the first day that they arrived. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen over six to 18 months drift. Not because they didn't like the church not because they didn't hear the word of God, not because they didn't resonate with what was going on, because simply they had no deeper relationships. And they dared to hope. They dared to hope and dream that somewhere, someplace in life, deeper relationships may exist. We're born for it, aren't we? We're designed for it. God has hardwired it into our bones and the world doesn't offer it readily. And people dare to believe that maybe the community of God has got this one down. And after a nine-month experiment, they leave with more disillusionment in their heart than when they began with because it didn't happen again. And they move on to the next place, looking for friends. Now, I know this is not the case for all of you. 
there are some of you here who have really forged deep friendships. And oh, praise God for that. But what I have found is that it is so easy for those of us who have deep forged those deep friendships to fail to pay attention to letting other people in. Because God is calling us to be more than just friends. He's calling us to be friends with an open and hospitable spirit to those who are friendless. And unwittingly and unknowingly, we can get so wrapped in our, un, in our own group that we just fail to pay attention. We just fail to see. It's just not on our grid because when we gather, we're so eager to connect with our friends that we miss the friendless who are gathering around hungry for deeper connection. The church, by and far, is a friendly place. But the church, by and far, for many, I find, is friendless. God, of course, has a radically different vision. God's dream for people and his church is to be a place that goes beyond simple, casual connection to deeper relationships that can be characterized by the word friend. I love how Jesus sets this up. Jesus, gathering with his disciples, says this, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And the early church and Acts 2 community found expression in what that relationship is meant to be and how to live it. Jesus wants friendship. He wants relationship. And he doesn't just want it in our hearts. Or from afar, like we have a friend who moves overseas and we can't wait to go be with Jesus when he returns someday. No, the way that Jesus experiences, and the way that we experience friendship with Jesus and the way that he embodies it is when we are in relationship with other people, where two or three gather in Jesus' name. He says, there I will be. It is in deep, meaningful relationship that we have friendship with Jesus. Look at this expression of how the early church lived this. This passage I'm showing you is very central to us at Fellowship of Faith. It really defines us who we want to be. And I highlighted some phrases on there for you just so it jumps out. But let me read it first. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and, and, and signs done by the apostles. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Three things I want to point out to you. They devoted themselves. To God, you bet. 
to the teachings of the Bible, you bet. To spiritual practices, you bet. But they devoted themselves to fellowship because it doesn't happen spontaneously. If you are sitting around waiting for deeper relationship to just happen, you are going to be waiting until you are in the grave. It was intentional. They devoted themselves to it because they knew that it did not happen unless you commit to it. And look what it says. They broke bread. And their homes, they didn't just gather At church, they didn't just come for an event. They didn't expect the apostles to host events for them. They made it happen. They gathered in each other's living rooms, each other's kitchens, each other's backyards and decks, eating together, sharing life together, having meals together. And they were happy about it. They did it with gladness. In sincerity, they expressed joy. And it says that the Lord added to their number. I think because people are, happy, are hungry for meaningful and deep relationships. I think people are hungry for connection. I think people saw what this, this, this body of Christ was embodying, the way that God visioned it to be. going, they have something that I want. They're experiencing something that I need. I want that too. And the community of believers welcomed them too. They were willing. They were willing to make new friends. God's dream for his church is to see not just a collection of individuals who come to experience the same things, like going to a restaurant, where it is all the same people eating from the same menu, but none of them know each other or have interaction with each other. Like people going to a shopping mall. Do they still exist? (laughs) Gathered in the same place to find what stores or services appeal to them, but without any sense of meaningful connection. No, God has called the church to something different. His dream for this is that it is a place where relationships are so close that they can only be characterized by words like family. This is why the early church called each other brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in Christ. I got four brothers. And sometimes we drive each other nuts. But we're in the thick of it. The deep of it. And we bleed for each other. And even draw blood for each other, I bet. If need be, that's how they lived in the early church. Invested. Involved giving of themselves for one another, making themselves vulnerable for one another, giving themselves time for one another, devoting themselves to one another, to experience what it is like to have God in their midst. No, I'm not suggesting 
that here at Fellowship of Faith, that everyone has to be friends with everyone. That's just not possible. And if you are looking for a church where everyone knows everyone deeply, this is not the church for you. I have a number of churches that gather with 50 or less on a Sunday that I will point you to. Because the only way to ever achieve that is to be in a place where no more than 50 gather. And even then, I question whether it can be a reality. But what I am suggesting is two things. That we who are here at FOF for a season, a time, need to model this. We need to play the role of the host, opening our hearts and our lives and our doors. And I don't just mean our church doors. To those who are experiencing friendliness but not friendship in this world. Secondly, I believe we do need a mechanism, an on-ramp, if you will, for people to start to form natural and deeper relationships. And so here this Sunday at Fellowship of Faith, we are rolling out a new ministry. We're calling it Table Dinners. And it's designed to help people come together to form deeper connections and relationships. Now, I want to introduce you to someone here today. Her name is Karen Blay. She's one of our elders here at Fellowship of Faith. And in many ways, she is responsible for a vision of what we are laying out here because it's something that she lived and experienced that she said, we need to bring this to Fellowship of Faith. I'd like to welcome Karen on the stage right now. And if you would, just welcome her up with me. So Karen, tell us a little bit about your experience with these things that we're calling table dinners and, well, you get the gist. So probably 15 years ago, um, reluctantly, my husband was offered a job out here and we accepted. (laughs) I really didn't want to come. We were from Southern California, so who wants to come here? (laughs) But we did. And when we first moved here, we left all of our family, all of our friends. We had a church body that we loved, that we were a big part of. And so coming out here, for that first year, we we tried some churches and we felt very isolated. It was a lonely time. And finally, the church that we did settle on had a ministry that Um, It was like the good old-fashioned potluck supper. And they kind of geographically put you with a bunch of people. So we ended up with a group up here in Fox Lake. And 15 years later, these people are still our friends and family. And we all of a sudden had grandparents for our children. We had aunts and uncles. Um, They attended our kids' boarding events, their, you know, musicals and plays. We just 
began to love these people and they loved us. We would serve in different ministries together. We um, attended each other's weddings. We attended each other's funerals. And we just did life. We did that Acts 2 church. And it just, it made our life full. We felt like we had friends. We had people to go to when we had struggles that we would pray with. Um, it, it was just what God means by the Acts 2 church. And that's what we want to bring here. Um, so I just really encourage you. I mean, if you are feeling lonely, if you are feeling like you love our friendly church, you come in and everybody, I mean, I see you all, you're hugging, you're, it's so good to be here, but maybe you walk away and you feel like, all I really talked about was the weather and, and really what's weighing on my heart, I didn't get to share that. And we, we want you to engage, we want you, we love you, we need you, you're all part of the body and we can't be a church together without all of you. You're so important and unique. And, and so I, I really encourage you to become a part of this. Just give it a try, you know, it's, give it three months, it's once a month. And, and like Dave said, you know, become integrated in and, and really make the effort to reach out. And we have a team of hosts that are just waiting to love on you. And um, I just encourage you to do this. Thank you so much. So here's how it works. It's called day table dinners. Imagine this, gathering once a month on a weekend night for maybe two or two and a half hours to eat. Who likes to eat? Imagine eight to arguably 15 people. Not gathered around existing friend circles. Not gathered around some demographic like, well, we're all 20-somethings or we're all seniors. But multi-generational like a true family is. Based in geography rather than proclivity. So that if you live out in the Woodstock, Marengo area, you're gathering with people from the Woodstock, Marengo area who also attend FOF. If you're from Algonquin, Lake in the Hills, South Crystal Lake, you're gathering from people who are from down in that area. If you're a Lake County person or Volo or Lakemore, that you're gathering with people from there. That, that if you're from Southern Wisconsin, Hebron or Richmond, you're gathering with people in your geographical area once a month on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night to break bread in a host's home. They will provide the main dish. You will bring a side. And the agenda for the night is simply this. Eat together. Talk. Laugh. Cry if you need to. Toss bean bags out back. Let the kids use your pool if they have one or whatever it is that you do for relational fun. It's as simple as that. They're going to launch in July. As Karen says, we encourage you to try it. We're going to run the first round through December, six times, July, August, September, October, 
November, December, daring to meet new people, intentionally spending time together, building relationship together around a shared meal. To be a part of it, it's simple. Hop on our website, fellowshipoffaith.org. Here's a screenshot of the homepage today as it exists right now. You're going to see a big feature card there that says table dinners with a big red button that says learn more. Just click it. It'll take you to a page that outlines what I've just shared with you this morning with another big red button at the bottom that says register for a table dinner. We encourage you to do it. We'll ask for your name. We'll ask for your address so we know how to kind of geographically place people. We'll ask if you have family members attending so that the hosts know what to expect and some of their ages so that if you have kids, maybe we can partner you with someone who has kids also and they can also share it because your kids are invited to be a part because kids are a part of the family, aren't they? You won't sign up for a table dinner of your own. We're asking you to trust us as leadership to place you to break up friend circles that become cliques, to open up doors to new people and to make sure that we who are living in certain areas can start doing life together in more meaningful ways. Yes, we'll ask you if you have food allergies. Yes, we'll ask you if you have pet allergies. Yes, we'll ask you if you have people allergies. Yes, we'll ask you all those kinds of things that'll be on there too, just to help us. And what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? me and Karen and our hosts are going to work the sea of names and one of these hosts in one of these areas will reach out to you and invite you saying hey love you for love for you to come over would you like to come have dinner with us how's it sound to you it's not going to form magic friendships in a moment. But hopefully it provides a seedbed and a foundation so we can take an article like this and tear it up and say this may be true in some places of the world, but not among the people of God, not among fellowship of faith. Now, now, one final thing. It's a point of disagreement that I need to make. He says the onus should not be on the newcomer. I fully respect and fully understand what he's saying, but he's wrong. Because the onus is on everyone. The onus is on you who have been here since 1999 to help foster this and make this happen. But the onus is on you who are here also for the first time to take a step out of your comfort zone to make it happen. Because passivity never breeds relationship. I remember this one family who used to gather. He was a former church worker. It went bad. 
And his wife would sit at a back table there nearly every week. She would look down. She wouldn't make eye contact. People would come and say hi to her, but there was no open body expression. It was just this. She was still angry, I believe. It just the situations of what had happened previously, maybe at the church in general. You know what this says? Go away. No one is going to force a friendship there. And she left angry because this is not a friendly church. Don't fall victim to that kind of thinking. I know a guy who wants to get married. And his approach for getting married is to sit in his basement apartment and hope that a girl will magically knock on his door. It's never going to happen. And if it does, beware of that girl who's knocking on your door. Brother, you got to put yourself out there. You got to take a step. You got to make an effort. And I know it means getting vulnerable. I know it means scary, but I can guarantee you this. No one at one of these table dinners is going to bite you. No one is going to make fun of you, laugh you, or give you the cold shoulder. No one is going to turn you away. So dare to be vulnerable. Dare to take a step out. Because if you remain and wait for others to ask you, you will be waiting all day. Whether first-timer or FOF veteran, register. And go beyond casual connection to deeper relationship. And maybe, just maybe along the way, opportunity will open to invite the friendless people you know in your life who don't go to FOF to find a platform for relationship too. So, the email should have hit your box three minutes ago by that clock. A button there for each of you to click it or simply go to fellowshipoffaith.org. Elders will be here at the tables for those of you here in person to help register you on an iPad if you don't know what electronic registration is. Make sense?